0: Carrie Baker met Matt Baker in Waco, Texas when they were students at Baylor University. Three months later, they would be married and eventually have three daughters. Matt had allegedly been involved in a number of incidents of harassing women and, doing worse, making physical contact, once when he was in college, one at a church, and several at a YMCA. It appears as though he was given the benefit of the doubt on each occasion. The incidents were not reported by the places where they occurred. After college, Matt went to a theological seminary and became a Baptist minister. In 1998, one of the couple's daughters, named Cassidy, was diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor. She was treated at a hospital and appeared to be doing well. They sent her home. Matt Baker walked into her bedroom during the early morning hours of March 22, 1999, and discovered that she had stopped breathing. Carrie Baker took Cassidy's death particularly hard. She sought mental health counseling and even contemplated bringing an end to her life. At one point, she went back to Cassidy's grave and started digging with her bare hands at the Mound of Dirt. Matt would eventually get a job as a pastor at Crossroads Baptist Church in the town of Hewitt, which is south of Waco. At the same time, he was working as a chaplain for the Waco Center for Youth. This is a facility that offers mental health treatment for adolescents. At around the same time, Carrie found a job at an elementary school as a teacher. She was teaching third grade. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. At midnight on Saturday, April 8, 2006, Matt Baker called 911 and told the dispatcher that he just arrived at his residence and found his wife unconscious in their bedroom. The paramedics arrived and found Carrie lying on the bed wearing just a t-shirt and underwear. They were unable to revive her. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Matt told the police that he had left the house at 11.15 p.m. on April 7 to refuel his vehicle and rent a movie. The movie he rented was one that Carrie had requested. It was a movie that had significance to them early in their relationship. It was When a Man Loves a Woman, featuring Meg Ryan. When he returned home, the bedroom door was locked. After using a screwdriver to open the door, he found his wife naked on the bed. She was unresponsive. Matt said that he put the t-shirt and underwear on her while he was on the phone with 911. On the bedroom dresser, the police found a typewritten note suggesting Carrie had brought an end to her life. The note said, I want to give Cassidy a hug. I need to feel her again. Please continue to be the great dad to our little girls. In addition, they found a bottle of Unisom, a non-prescription sleeping medication that had two pills in it, when originally it contained 32. The Justice of the Peace for McLennan County, Bill Martin, agreed with the conclusion that Carrie must have brought an end to her life. He did not order an autopsy. He also didn't come out to the residence, which was actually required. Matt insisted that Carrie's funeral be held on Monday, April 10 even though she had been pronounced dead early Saturday morning. About 10 days later, Carrie's mother, Linda, was with her three sisters and her niece. They told her some things that they had not told her when Carrie was alive, namely that Matt had a reputation for hitting on young women. Linda and her husband, Jim, had added both Matt and Carrie to their cell phone plans some time ago, so they were able to check Matt's phone activity. One item that Linda found to be curious was that Matt had called Carrie's cell phone several times after she died. Apparently, Matt had given Carrie's cell phone to a woman named Vanessa Bulls. Linda and Jim hired a former district attorney to investigate the situation because the police would not help them. The former district attorney, in turn, requested the assistance of two former law enforcement officers. Their investigation revealed a few items. Matt Baker had, in fact, made a number of advances toward young women from his time in college all the way through his marriage. He spent a good deal of time on websites featuring explicit images and videos, and he searched the term overdose by sleeping pills, as well as making searches to learn how to buy drugs like Ambien without a prescription. In July of 2006, Linda and Jim filed a lawsuit against Matt Baker for the wrongful death of Carrie Baker. Bill Martin, the justice of the peace wanted to take another look at the case. So now there was some interest in this case. Carrie's body was exhumed and an autopsy was performed. Alcohol, Ambien, and Unisom were found in her muscle tissue. No pills were found in her stomach. Her cause of death was changed to undetermined. Linda and Jim hired a toxicologist who said that Carrie did not die within 45 minutes, which was the time frame that Matt Baker had presented to the authorities. The toxicologist also didn't believe Carrie died from an overdose. Matt Baker was arrested for murder in October of 2006 based on the improbable timeline, the searches from his computers, his affair with Vanessa Bulls, statements he made during the 911 call, and the toxicology results. During the investigation, Vanessa had denied being in an affair with Matt Baker. She was called to testify before the grand jury. During her testimony, she continued to deny there was ever an affair, even though the two had called each other many times and had gone shopping for engagement rings. Considering her refusal to admit the affair, her testimony after her denial was a little bit surprising. She said that Matt Baker told her he killed Carrie for her, so for Vanessa. Vanessa's story would expand over time. Eventually she revealed even more incriminating information about Matt Baker. She said that she and Matt had sex one time in the bedroom where Carrie died. Matt Baker had cheated on Carrie before cheating with her. He made negative comments about Carrie, like saying that she was lazy, her daughters didn't like her, and she was always depressed. After Matt started having sex with Vanessa, he told Vanessa that Carrie was hideous and he would find a way out of his marriage. He started talking to Vanessa about ways to murder Carrie, like a drive-by shooting, disabling the brakes on her vehicle, or trying to make it seem as though Carrie brought an end to her own life. This was the plan he selected. He told Vanessa about how he would use a computer to type up the note. Vanessa replied, you can't type a note like that. Matt said that Carrie typed everything. He planned his murder not long before the anniversary of Cassidy's death, So that no one would be suspicious about the motive. It's worth noting that ultimately he killed Carrie a few weeks after the anniversary of Cassidy's death. Two weeks before Carrie died, Matt gave her a milkshake spiked with drugs. Carrie said it tasted like lead and refused to drink it. Matt sent an email to Carrie saying that he would make her a better drink by putting more chocolate in it. So when this email was discovered, that was a fairly important clue because it corroborated Vanessa's story about Matt making that drink for Carrie that she didn't like. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2, a new podcast from Crowd Network. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks' lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew, That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. Matt confessed to Vanessa in his living room after Carrie was murdered, He told Vanessa he would explain what he did only one time. It sounds like he was inspired by the end of the movie The Godfather when Michael Corleone told his wife that he would answer a question about his business only once. Here's what Matt said to Vanessa according to her. When preparing for a date night with Carrie, Matt opened capsules from an over-the-counter sexual stimulant and replaced the drug with Ambien. He had taken Ambien from Carrie's mother's house. Matt gave Carrie the pills. Again, she thought this was a stimulant and not something that would make her sleep. The two went in the bedroom where Matt handcuffed Carrie to the bed. She was groggy from the drugs. He touched her as if he was initiating sex, but then she fell asleep. Matthew put a pillow over her head in an attempt to suffocate her. He lifted the pillow thinking he had suffocated her, but she was still alive. He once again pushed the pillow against her face, this time using more force, and killing her. He removed the handcuffs, typed the note on a computer, put the note in Carrie's hands to make sure her fingerprints were on it, and placed the note and the sleeping pill bottle on the dresser. Matt Baker was convicted of murder. He was sentenced to 65 years in prison. Now moving to my analysis. Was Matt Baker actually guilty? Let's look at the evidence both for and against the idea that he was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. The discrepancy with the clothes makes him seem guilty, like he said that Carrie was naked and he put her t-shirt and underwear on her. They tried to reproduce this effect using like a mannequin, but it was very difficult to do in the time frame and while being on the phone. So it makes it look like Matt Baker was lying. Carrie was about to interview for a new teaching job not long before she died. She was excited about the interview, so she was looking forward to trying new things. The note found at the scene was typewritten, which is unusual for that type of note. Matt Baker had searched for sleeping aids online and placed an order for Ambien in a shopping cart on a website but did not complete the order. The owner of the website explained that many United States customers will discontinue an order after placing it in the shopping cart because that's when they find out that the delivery takes two weeks. Matt denied ever buying Ambien, but he did admit to searching for overdose by sleeping pill. He said it wasn't to kill anyone, rather to protect Carrie because he was worried she was taking too many. Carrie Baker's cause of death was never determined, but a few causes were ruled out, including overdose and aspiration from something like vomit. Carrie had significant bruising around her lips, which may have been caused by something like a pillow, Matt had a history of inappropriate behavior toward women. Matt was having an affair when Carrie died and continued that affair for some time afterward. Now looking at the exculpatory evidence. Carrie Baker had been depressed about the death of her daughter Cassidy. This was well known to many people. She had talked about not being alive anymore on more than a few occasions. It is technically possible that Carrie died in 45 minutes, although experts said it was unlikely. No fibers were found in Carrie's nose, mouth, or lungs during the autopsy. One would think that there would be fibers if she was suffocated by a pillow. Carrie's cause of death was never actually determined, so technically nobody knows how she died. Vanessa had initially lied and only revealed more information after being pressured by authorities. It took a while for her to tell the whole story. Perhaps she was making it up as she was going along. I think another problem with Vanessa as a witness is that some people believe she is also culpable. She knew about the murder before it happened and yet did nothing to stop it. She could have simply called the authorities. Some people really struggle with the idea that Vanessa Bowles was never charged. When weighing all the factors, do I think that Matt Baker was guilty? I believe he was guilty in reality. As far as the legal standard, I think he was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt this is a close case for me. I don't think that Vanessa Bulls was a good witness at all. One of her best skills seems to be repeatedly lying. That's what she proved that she could do well. What convinces me beyond a reasonable doubt is the fact that Carrie didn't die from an overdose and probably could not have died in the 45-minute time frame. I think this case represents a missed opportunity to find the truth with some degree of certainty. If an autopsy was performed immediately, The authorities could have determined the cause of death because Carrie's blood would have been available for testing. After her body was embalmed, the cause of death could not be determined. As far as Matt Baker's personality, based on the descriptions that we hear about him, it sounds as though he had low to mid-range openness to experience, mid-range conscientiousness, high extroversion, low agreeableness, and low neuroticism. Many people believe he was narcissistic, using his position as a minister to take advantage of women. He even gave himself praise in the note that he wrote to trick the authorities. Other people were quick to pile on praise as well. They viewed him as a devoted husband that endured multiple tragedies. They compared him to Job from the Old Testament, who had remained true to God despite experiencing one tragedy after the other. Matt Baker manipulated both Carrie Baker and Vanessa Bulls. A few examples— Carrie had once prayed to God asking that he take Cassidy to heaven, if that was the only way to keep Cassidy from suffering more pain than she could bear. So this is a prayer that Carrie made prior to Cassidy's death, when she was frustrated at the tremendous amount of suffering that Cassidy was enduring. Matt viciously criticized her, saying that God must have answered her prayer that night instead of his, and that's why Cassidy died. Matt claimed that he blamed Carrie for Cassidy's death. As far as the manipulation of Vanessa, this is a little different. In a sense, Vanessa wanted to believe that Matt was a good guy, but she knew that she was having an affair with him, and she knew he was plotting to kill his wife. She lied to the authorities many times. Even though some people would consider Vanessa complicit, she was manipulated to some extent. A few examples, Matt kept telling Vanessa that God would forgive them for their various actions, like the infidelity. He was trying to convince her that all their actions would simply be taken away. After having sex with her for the first time, Matt said, quote, God is such a forgiving God. I don't think that God believes that a person can be with just one person for the rest of their life, unquote. After the homicide, Matt told Vanessa that she was stuck with him because she was as guilty as he was. Vanessa suggested that Matt subtly threatened her as well but it didn't really seem like she was too worried about that, so she didn't really make a big deal of his alleged threat. What lessons can we learn in this case? I have three here. Number one, all suspicious deaths should be investigated. The authorities should have looked into Matt's history before declaring Carrie's death was not a murder. Number two, the accusation of harassment and other behavior against Matt Baker should have been investigated It literally could have saved Carrie's life in addition to bringing justice for the alleged victims. Number three, there were some warning signs that were available to Carrie, although it appears as though many people tried to convince her the signs didn't mean anything. Like they were trying to convince her that Matt was not troublesome. Here are a few examples of the warning signs. Not long before the murders, Matt lost interest in having sex with Carrie. She thought that he was looking at other women A friend of Carrie's tried to convince her that Matt would never do that. Carrie suspected Matt was having an affair. Carrie told her therapist that she found an unlabeled bottle of pills in Matt's briefcase. She believed Matt was going to kill her. The therapist did not take action. This was a missed opportunity. Now, it's not clear exactly what the therapist could have done. Like, we don't have all the other details of that conversation. The therapist asked Carrie to say that again, like to talk about the fear she had for her life, and Carrie wouldn't do it. Like, Carrie wouldn't commit to this idea that Matt was out to get her. But even still, the therapist certainly could have put in place a safety plan, and part of that plan might have involved Carrie having a relative to stay at her house with she and her husband, not taking different medications that Matt would offer her, and just generally making Matt aware that she was suspicious. So, There's a lot of different remedies that were available that could have helped the situation. It's not always about calling the authorities or confronting somebody. Sometimes the smaller changes can make a difference. These little things that can prevent somebody from being in a bad situation with a perpetrator. I think the lesson with these subtle warning signs is important. These warning signs don't always point to something dramatic like murder, but they should not be dismissed. They're an important indicator that there could be problems. And here again, we see that people around Carrie didn't really help her to understand those warning signs. They didn't validate her experiences. Instead, they essentially tried to convince her that she was thinking irrationally. So a lot of people let Carrie down in this situation. People who could have facilitated Carrie in helping herself. My final thoughts for this case. During one interview, Matt Baker said my prayer is that the truth be known. Considering the guilty verdict for murder he committed, it would appear that this prayer was answered. Perhaps he should be mad at himself for his prayer being answered, just like he claimed that he was mad regarding Carrie's prayer. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa.